Hi guys, Bill Farrell here. Uh, welcome to a special edition of Rock Bottom to Recovery. Our uh, guest today is a uh, uh, New York, Brooklyn, New York um, comedian, Patrick Holbert. Um, he's in town to uh, perform tonight at the Knicks Comedy Stop. Um, Patrick is, um, Patrick has done, does a lot of many things. He's a former TV producer, uh, Sirius XM. Um, he, uh, did you host Patrick internationally, uh, syndicated to Movie Loft? Yeah, the Movie Loft, yeah. Movie Loft, True TV, Travel Channel. Um, you also have a podcast, Who Cares About Ross and Patrick? Um, and that's with your wife, Ross Erin Martineau. Yep. Um, and you release that every Monday morning at 5 a.m.? That's right. Every Monday morning. So, so you have, you was a, uh, you were a producer, uh, Sirius XM Radio. The Movie Loft, True TV, Travel Channel, um, you're a comedian. You uh, can be found on Instagram at The Holbert Report. Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to steal Stephen Colbert's coattails there. I got gotcha. The Holbert Report, yeah. Um, New York Times called you a charming MC of a children's variety show. Is that correct? Yeah, I hosted a, uh, uh, it was like this rock opera kids show. Yeah. And I was the MC, and I had to come out and warm up the room of, you know, nine-year-old kids how did so, that go uh some some crowds were tougher than others <laughs> uh they can be they can be hard to loosen up that's um that's a good training right there. yeah yeah uh kids can be tough yeah. um you also do a one-man comedy show punchline drunk yep and i will assume that that has to do with recovery it does yeah okay yep. and so you have uh 10 years of so sobriety yep. right around that correct yeah um which, um, let's see, you want to, um, through, um, through comedy, you're looking to destigmatize, um, you know, the challenges of mental health, addiction, and family dis uh, dysfunction, which um, I was looking at that and I was like, well, there you go. That's just basically life. Yeah. So you want to sure. destigmatize life. <laughs> uh, and so, and when you're not on stage as a, co a comedian, um, you work as a substance abuse counselor. Uh, recovery coach, and you're an active member in the sobra, um, sober community. Yeah, and um, married two years. That's right. Yeah. You know, you know what? I was looking at this. I you don't have time to drink. No, you stay no. pretty busy. Yeah, I, you got to stay accountable. You yeah. know, people people would notice pretty quick if I picked up. Yeah. Uh, so I I got to keep my schedule packed. Um, and you know, I'll be I'll be honest. A few of these things, you know, I was on Sirius XM with yeah. the, with the kids show. Uh, that was we we performed on there, uh, Travel Channel and uh, True TV. Those were one-off experiences. So, uh, really, right now I'm just touring, punchline drunk to colleges, uh, maintaining a marriage, and doing comedy as often as uh, pretty much nightly. Uh, so, I am very busy, but uh, yeah, luckily I'm not uh, drinking or even close to a drink. Which I, coffee is my drug of coffee choice Coffee is now. it, right. From one addiction to the other, as yeah. we were saying. Um, as um, everybody knows now, we were saying earlier, Yeah. I have a glasses addiction. Yeah, you have to um, go to Glasses Anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> where you, when you go glasses. to the meeting, nobody can read the opening <laughs> or the preamble because everybody needs glasses. Um, well, I need these to read, and then these are just right here uh, to make me look cool. Those are very cool. They're not bad, right? Uh, they almost make it like you're not wearing the hat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you know what? I just have to say, these are, uh, so, you know, people know I do comedy too. Um, and I like to get those kind of like uh, different scally caps, which yeah. are very popular in Boston. Yeah. And now I'm profiling this brand new one that came in the mail the other day. That's great. It's my very first time wearing it. Um, A lot of In plaques. honor of you, Patrick. I, I love it. And uh, rock bottom to recovery. Yeah. So, uh, you know what, too, I just realized... Um, I tagged you in um, on Facebook. On Facebook, so you're live. All right, but I'm a knucklehead. What's I didn't up, tag Facebook? myself. Oh no! <laughs> so I didn't tag myself, so I'm not it's, live it's on my Bill, page. It's Bill. What's the last name? Should, should maybe somebody on my page? Can you tag Bill Farrell on yes. Facebook? Please tag Bill Farrell <laughs> so we can get this up and rolling too. Yeah, and really reach out. Uh, so uh, Patrick, let's um, let's talk about. Um, addiction, because this is what this podcast is yeah. all about. If you're tuning in, if you're listening on iTunes or Podbean, um, you know, um, actually, if you're, if you're listening on um, iTunes or Podbean,
go to my Facebook page, Rock Bottoms Recovery, and check out my glasses. Yeah. Check out Patrick's hair. We'll, we'll discuss that later on. <laughs> and check out my new scally cap. Um, you know, give yourself a nice little visual. Yeah. But um, so you have 10 years of sobriety. Yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Um, uh, we like to find out kind of a little backstory. How did they get started? Talk about the family or whatever whatever you're comfortable talking about. Sure. Um, maybe when when was the first time your addiction got started? Sometimes people, you know, will say cigarettes or marijuana yeah. or whatever it leads into. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a family where uh, alcoholism was a part of the, the household, uh, and we heard about it. Our, our, you know, our parents let us know that this was a thing that runs in the family. Um, so my brother and I, we actually, we had a pact that we weren't going to drink. And I, actually my first best friend, my first, uh, well, the first best girlfriend that I liked in early high school, but I was too shy to tell her. I remember making a pact with her that we weren't going to use drugs or yeah. drink. So I actually got through high school without ever picking up. That's uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I had a sense of humor, though, and I was popular, and I, got, I had a lot of friends. So I actually had a very easy childhood with high school and all the things that are awkward. And, you know, you hear people talk about how drinking and smoking cigarettes made them feel like they belonged and things like that. I actually never needed that. Um, it was really humor that uh, kind of I got a high out of, you yeah. know? Uh, but then when I went to college, it seemed like everybody drank yeah. or got high. And uh, about six weeks into my freshman year is the first time I had a few cans of beer. And I was actually pretty uptight at that time in my life because I was new at college. I wasn't this big fish in a small pond anymore like I was in high school. So I felt like I should just try drinking. Maybe I'll. And that is when I experienced the ease that comes with being a little drunk. And. I say this all the time. If I could, to this day, drink three cans of beer and that, and end my night there like I did the first time I ever drank, I would probably still be a drinker. Uh, but as we know, I, uh, I did have the same thing that runs in my family, and uh, I was a binge drinker from the next night on uh, for the rest of my drinking career. So, um, yeah, it took off pretty quickly for me, the drinking got out of control in college. I, I was one of those people, um, I would always do physical stunts. I, I loved climbing buildings. Yeah. I loved to climb, uh, break into buildings. Uh, that's when the arrests started happening. Campus police arrested me and some of the other uh, hard drinkers <laughs> in my circle a couple times. Um, and yeah, I drank for nine years in total. And I would say the first three years were lots of fun and then the middle three years were fun and consequences and then the last three years was just a bunch of consequences and relationship issues so uh and yeah uh alcohol was my main drug of choice i, I experimented with some pills here and there i smoked a, a, a good amount of weed never really liked it um but it was i was a just a hard drinking hard partying kind of frat bro yeah you know yeah um, which is kind of um isn't that just kind of like a i don't know rite of passage when you get to college yeah yeah and that's part of the show i talk about that like it can be actually sort of normal to drink a lot at school uh the the trick is to notice when you're crossing those invisible lines um and i i've crossed those pretty early in my drinking uh and i was always kind of um living a double life because I was actually an overachiever. I had good grades. I had lots of friends. Um, every, to this day, there are people that don't understand why I quit drinking. Yeah. And because uh, I, I know how to, you know, the hair is actually <laughs> an example of how I know how to look good. I know yeah. how to present a certain way, but I was kind of a secretive, uh, I was kind of a dark person when I was wasted. And the people closest to me, they're very happy I quit. Yeah. But I have lots of people I used to party with and yeah. that are still like, oh, you were so fun, you know? And I'm you like, were so fun, yeah. Did you drink, uh, did you blackout? I, no, I, there, a couple times I did, but I was the kind of person that I could go for a long time. I drank mostly beer, so I, yeah. I, I would do shots and occasionally blackout and just pass out. Uh, but I loved a three-night, three-day bender where yeah. I was just constantly drinking the whole time. So there were probably some brownouts, probably said and did some things I don't really, that are very fuzzy. Yeah. But I never experienced the time travel thing that yeah. people talk about. 
Yeah, I, I, I usually drank to a blackout myself. Yeah. And I didn't drink all the time. I just, you probably didn't either, right? Like when, when it was school time, class time. Yeah. You did what you had to do. Exactly. You went to class and everything. Yeah, and even um, in my career, it was work hard, play hard. It was like, <coughs> and, and that's how I was able to stay in denial for so long that it was a problem because, hey, I'm still showing up to work. I'm still getting my job done. I'm keeping straight A's. I, how can I be an alcoholic if everything's going so well? Uh, meanwhile, um, I was alienating friends and girlfriends and uh, really making a mess of things. And again, involving the police and all that stuff. So, so uh, you like to scale stuff too. Yeah. Uh, I could see kind of like a uh, early Spider-Man yes, type of uh, yes. uh, thing going on uh, here. Yeah, that's, that, that's, you know? that's a joke I do. I say <laughs> when I drank, I, I uh, like to take off all my clothes and climb buildings. I was like a problematic Spider-Man. Um, Which Spider-Man? Well, who was the very first Spider-Man? I mean, while you're oh talking, God. I'm going to share this. Um, I'm Man, share this I wish I. This is where I'm going to lose fans. So please don't judge me for this. But I'm not a, a comic book guy. My my brother and I were just on the phone. He said I'm going out to see Endgame tonight, and I was like, what What is that? And that's like the hugest movie on the planet. <laughs> it's unbelievably yeah. huge right now. Yeah. So I I almost said instead of Avengers, I almost said, oh, is that the Revengers film? So. <laughs> I uh, I have the joke about Spider Man. I'm not well versed. <coughs> oh, okay. not well versed in the Marvel universe. Well, you know, uh, um, I just well, you mentioned Endgame. My boys went and saw it um, yeah. last night. And how um, many you got? I got two two boys. Oh, cool. Uh, twenty one and twenty two. Have they always only seen you sober? Oh, they've never seen me. My wife and my uh, two boys have never seen. That's me. That's incredible. Um, that I that is what I want out of life, and I yeah. I really respect that. That's cool. Well, thank you. I have uh, uh, September will give me thirty two years Amazing. of sobriety. Wow, so, that's incredible. Um, yeah, um, September what? September seventh. Ah, my mom's birthday is the twenty fourth of the, September. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, anyway, so they went to the film. Uh, they went to the film, but when I get up this morning. There was a, on the news, they were talking about a, um, there was a showing at like, of Endgame at um, like 2.30 in the morning. Oh yeah, so they can legally show it. Yeah, yeah. and um, it was completely sold out. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I know um, my son will probably kill me, but he got a little emotional during it. He yeah, wouldn't yeah. tell me why. Yeah. But he's an emotional kind of a kid anyways. I'm going to go, I do, I loved uh, the Thor film. I loved yeah. Iron Man. I thought Iron Man was amazing. Uh, and everybody keeps saying, you got to see Avengers. So I promise I'm going to go <laughs> and I'll, I'll catch up. And we don't judge here on Rock Bottom <laughs> to Recovery just because he didn't know a lot about yeah. what... These movies coming up, we're not judging. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I, I do like pop culture. I'm really into Barry on HBO. I love Westworld. Yeah. Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. I love a lot of dark, good, good yeah. content. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, talk about um, your, you. So you were drinking in college. Yeah. When did you make the decision that you said, you know what, I'm done. I'm, I want to get sober. Uh, well, why did you get sober? Did anything happen? Or? Well, the first time I made the decision to quit was three weeks after I started. I found all, I have a Yahoo email account from 1999 yeah. and I went through all my sent messages because I was putting together this one man show. And there's emails between my brother and I. He was in Italy in the Marines yep. in 2000, 2001, or 99, I guess. Uh, we were emailing each other. He had just started drinking too, because he waited long. We were both late bloomers, and I found these emails where we're both saying like, "Hey, I got so drunk. I don't, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. I'm done. I don't want to. I don't want to be another alcoholic in the family, etc." Um, and of course, the spoiler alert is that we both drank for. I drank for eight and a half more years. He drank for five more, uh, up until he he would. Luckily, all my drinking was in New York City and Long yeah. Island, and I didn't do a lot of drinking and driving. He did a, a fair amount of that and had, had some scary accidents. Yeah. Um, so the first time I wanted to stop was soon, early. Yeah. Um, and then those last three years were pretty torturous where uh, it was affecting these relationships. with every, every serious relationship I had with a woman always involved the conversation of, when are you going to stop? Mm -hmm. And then me saying, I promise I'll stop and not stopping yeah. or stopping for a week or two and then doing it without any help at all. So I was with a girl that I thought I was going to marry. Uh, she begged me to stop drinking because at first I think 
she was attracted to me as a party guy. You yeah. know, I think a lot of women, a lot of people, uh, <coughs> it's like, oh, this is fun. He's silly. He's spontaneous. Yeah. And then they realize there's a fine line between spontaneous and horrifically unpredictable. Um, Stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> you know. uh, so I, th I really thought I was going to marry that girl. And uh, unfortunately, I just my drinking really ruined the whole relationship. Um, and we were on a trip in Italy. Uh, and it was the second night of a nine-day trip. And uh, it was supposed to be a romantic trip. But of yeah. course, for an alcoholic, romantic sometimes means drinking with strange men instead of uh, my my girlfriend, she felt unsafe, and we got into this big fight in Venice, Italy, the most romantic, beautiful place on the planet. Yeah. We were that couple fighting in the street. Um, I, I provoked her to hit me, so it became kind of so it got a little violent, and yeah, yeah. Uh, led to her locking me out of the hotel, me trying to scale the outside of the hotel. Uh, finally, she let me in, and I, I got sick everywhere. She cleaned it up. I passed out. I wake up, and she's on the phone with Virgin Airlines to go home without yeah. me. And that's when I, that's the first time. I, I said all the excuses for years. I yeah. swear I'm going to stop. I promise. This, I, and, but this time I was saying it from this place of really wanting to surrender. And uh, I begged her to stay. And Somehow I convinced, I, I, I was a very persuasive, charming jerk, yeah. you know. Uh, I persuaded her to stay. Uh, we survived the trip, got back to New York with the relationship barely intact. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of days later, my, my old drinking buddies said, hey, we're going to the Mets game. Do you want to come? I said, yeah, I'll meet you there. And I show up and I say, guys, I quit drinking. And they said, well, you can have one. And I said, yeah, of course I can have one. And in the blink of an eye, I was drunk again. Yeah. We were probably drunk driving into Manhattan to go to a bar. I forget who was driving. Um, and I got, uh, yeah. I got wasted. I, got, I was falling all over the dance floor. I was flirting with every woman who was not my girlfriend. It was as if the whole thing in Italy didn't happen. Everything I said, everything I admitted to, it was like I never said it. Yeah. Um, and that morning was August 23rd, 2008, and uh, she had called my brother who said, you gotta kick him out if he's not gonna quit. Yeah. So her and my brother saved my life that day on that Because he had already home. quit drinking, right? Yeah, he was yeah. a couple years sober at that point, and um, you know, he, when he got sober, I, I, he was in the hospital because he had this car accident, and I remember saying, I'll quit with you. I, I, know, I know I need to stop too, and then of course I kept going. Um, so yeah, it was basically, I, the, the last invisible line I crossed for me was just um, making a woman feel that unsafe in my yeah. presence and feeling like a monster. I was totally out of control. Thank God I did not hit her, but I don't know how close I was to yeah. things getting physical in that way. And um, just the shame of that and then um, promising I'd stop and realizing, oh, I can't just have a beer without... No, like, like it was like a game of Russian roulette. I just yeah. never knew what was going to happen. Um, so yeah, I quit, and uh, I it, it's that's a miracle to me. Those first six months of not drinking because I was just going to therapy once a week. Yeah. Um, no AA or anything along no, those lines. No, and 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 my therapist <coughs> was this amazing guy who was very familiar with AA. It turned out he was in recovery, and yeah. he would tell me. He, he said, like, you got to just check out a meeting. And I, I always said, oh, you know, that's for, like, old cranky dudes. That's not, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and miraculously, I, uh, uh, I stayed sober, but then the relationship fell apart. I yeah. did too much damage. And I didn't hear about what a resentment was or how to deal with that. And uh, I wasn't meeting other young guys who were right. in relationships. They were trying to save. So the relationship fell apart, and I moved out anyway. And uh, the miracles that I chose to go to a meeting instead of, because I was, at that point, I was making good money in the TV industry, and I was like, I could afford this nice loft by myself, and I thought, maybe I can drink, you know? Yeah. Now I can be this bachelor guy. Uh, but thank God I, I did go to a meeting, and I loved the, fir the first one I went to. I loved it. I was like, why didn't I do this from day yeah. one? Because this is... Uh, 
Do you think, did you have a, uh, when it came to the meeting, did you have like a preconceived notion of what, you, like, like you said, cranky old guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I remember seeing the big book around my house. My, yeah. my dad shared with me, when I called him, the first week I quit, I called him and I said, you know, I, I uh, really messed up this relationship and I, I quit drinking because, and I'm seeing a counselor. I remember I couldn't say the word therapist. I was like, I'm seeing a counselor. Yeah. Uh, and he said, oh, that's good, that's good. And, you know, you can try meetings. They might work for you. And I remember he he had the big book around the house when we were kids, and he tried. He, And then he shared with me on that phone call that he had gotten a year sober, and I never knew he had a whole year. And um, you know, So he, he was a year sober when you were talking to him uh, that time? No, when I was in high school. He was oh, just saying school, back, okay. back when we were kids. I think it was high school. It might have been middle school. That's all very hazy to me. Him and I, we get along and we yeah. talk, but that's like my last frontier is like getting really clear with uh, what his whole story is. Um, is he in the program? No, no. He, he, didn't, uh, he didn't stick with it. Uh, I think he's got a relationship with alcohol now that he is comfortable with and from, from outside I just don't get involved with yeah. it. It's like I don't, I can't preach to other people about yeah. this stuff. I know what works for me and right. I'm, my life is happy without it. But uh, anyway, he uh, yeah, so I guess I just always assumed um, it's going to be guys like him that are can't can't get it together or whatever. Yeah. But then I got there and it's like all these people who are really using it as an amazing resource to take their life to the next level yeah. and figure out how to live without booze. So. And they and they do like they um it's it, see now I I never did AA myself. Um never hmm. did the 12 step program but as I we were talking about on the podcast yesterday, which check out people. Um, um, I have my family mm -hmm. was involved with the AA, so there was an influence there growing yeah. up, even though I experimented and drank. And um, so I kind of had somewhat of a foundation, which yeah. I, as I look back now, kind of helped me, but I didn't take that road. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I was. I'm, I, as I've always said, like, I'm amazed to look back now and realize that yeah. I just quit. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, because you have to grow. Um, and I think that's a great part of AA, we, mm -hmm. we, the big book, is those steps really help you grow and mature. Yeah. Um, so you go now or? I don't never, actually, yeah. no, yeah. but I do have a very uh, uh, spiritual, a yeah. very strong spiritual base. That's which great. Didn't come until later on in yeah. life. Um, and so when I look back, I re kind of realized I slowed the process of yeah. my sobriety. Yeah. So I was still dealing with a lot of issues, yeah. emotional issues, guilt, shame, all that stuff. Yeah. It wasn't until later on when I kind of made that spiritual connection where I was, I was beginning to say, okay, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. I like yeah. myself. I have all these things, but that's okay. I can yeah. work on those and I can make them better. Yeah. Do you have a, um, uh, any type of a spiritual? Yeah, yeah. I um, uh I love, you know, I grew up going to uh, a Protestant church, uh, the Methodist church. Yeah. That my mom and my sister are deeply involved with. Um, I was always a little skeptical of the the organized religion thing, but I always enjoy, like Christmas, I go every year just to hear my sister sing. Uh, yeah. And I always feel, especially now that I'm sober, I actually do feel a deep connection to people in a room. Yeah. Uh, thinking positively and... Um, being there to connect yeah uh, so whatever I, I get that from church when I go I don't I like I said I don't go much to church church but yeah I, I love um, meditating my wife's a yoga instructor yeah. I'm, I'm into the Eastern way of thinking of things uh, I love reading books about this stuff uh, there's a lot of podcasts that some of these talks get so <clears throat> philosophical and deep yeah. about it um, so in other words, I don't know exactly how I would describe my spiritual connection. Yeah. Just that I crave one, I enjoy it when I feel it, yeah. and uh, I look for it, um, and I believe in it. Isn't that funny? Like you, so you go to church and you you feel good when you come out, right? Yeah. I am. Um, I'm the same way. I haven't, and and sometimes I go a lot, and then I kind of get complacent, and I yeah. kind of fall off, and then I don't feel as good. But I I I think the difference now is when I go. When I come out, I feel good. Yeah, I feel um, grounded. I feel like I'm okay. uh, kind of gets me back to my base. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, 
and I le uh, I'll link it to um, Church from Me. So my father was a big AA guy, mm -hmm. uh, and I've probably said this on the podcast a couple of times, but uh, we were working together in construction. We were mm -hmm. doing 70, 90 hour weeks. Uh, we were at each other's throats. We were driving in mm -hmm. together. And I remember him telling me, um, I got to do a meeting. I haven't been to one yeah. in a while because we're working so many hours. Yeah. And um, the next day, it was like a whole new guy. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I remember thinking, wow, like, yeah. I, that's amazing what uh, a meeting did for yeah. him. Yeah. And later on, when I kind of got my little spiritual connection back and I, I was going to church, I, 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 I understood it. Yeah. Like I remember thinking, oh, so the meeting is his kind of uh, his connection. Get in there, get grounded, get back to um, thinking in a, in the right mindset. It's the same for me with church. And yeah. I think <clears throat> whether it be yoga, that's one of the things about the podcast that uh, we really want to stress to people is like whatever it is, whatever's yeah. grounding you and giving you a solid foundation in your sobriety, stick with it. Yeah. And stay with it, yeah. Uh, because if you don't, you know, doing that self care, you can, yeah, put yourself out there. And, and if you're like me, there's <clears throat> this uh, fallacy of thought for me that just I've discovered the hard way too many times. That's just not true. Is doing it alone is just not an option for me. Yeah, I have this, I have this uh, cabin in the woods fantasy that if I could just get a cabin in the woods yeah. and be alone for. Uh, several months at a time with some good books, then I'll be happy. Then I can, then I can do the writing I want to do. Then I can, I don't even know what I want to do alone. Yeah. But that's this thing when I'm not connected with other people, I start fantasizing about that. And uh, yeah, so I think it's totally true that we gotta we gotta find some yeah. something to belong to. Uh, I so. think the spiritual thing is it's huge. It's just it's what I've seen in recovery. It's kind of that defining factor for people. Yeah. Once they make a spiritual connection, whether it be through yoga, yeah. like like your wife uh, does, she's a she's an instructor, correct? Yeah. Um, just to kind of quiet yourself and, mm -hmm. and um, turn things over to something greater uh, than ourselves. Yeah. Um, that seems to be that defining yeah. factor in people's recoveries. And so. I will I will say, uh, <coughs> just doing the work, uh, it pr the professional work as a sober companion slash coach, I, I work at a sober house here and there, I'll do some shifts. Uh, that's really opened my mind up yeah. to the fact that there are so many other ways of being in recovery or uh, pursuing recovery that aren't the rooms of any organized 12-step program. Because uh, early on in my recovery, when I did start going to those meetings, I did. I was one of those people that was like, this is amazing. How come not everybody's doing yeah. this? Everybody should be doing this. And if you're not, that's not real recovery. I definitely had those leanings. But yeah. now my mind has been so open to the fact that it's not for everybody. Right. Um, and did, did recovery coach do that for you? Like, Because um, I, 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 I went to recovery coach training. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like... You know, there's different. Uh, when you say you're in recovery, you're in recovery. Yeah. So I'm assuming you've probably got the same. Yeah. They basically said um, you can't really force any one thing yeah. on a person. You have to see what they want to get out of being clean and sober, right. and then you have to help them find what works for them best. Uh, so basically, like, don't bring a client to a meeting unless they specifically say, "Yeah, I want to check yeah. out a meeting." Because yeah. um, my way. It's changed my life. It's made my life amazing, but it's not. It's I can't just force that on somebody else. Yeah. You know? Now, when did you um, when did you start doing comedy? Uh, six years ago. Okay. Um, well, I guess the 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 long the long story that I tell in my show, the reason it's called Punchline Drunk, is that it is about my comedy career and my addiction and recovery. Uh, my first open mic was when I was nineteen in mm -hmm. college because I since I was a kid I wanted to be a comedian. And I did that open mic. I bombed horribly. Uh, and then I did another one that summer, bombed horribly again. And so I just turned to the instant gratification of yeah. getting wasted to forget about it. Uh, I did some open mics and shows while I was at college, maybe five or six times on stage. And then when I graduated, I just was a full-on drunk and workaholic. I was working in the TV industry. and. I think it was 11 years until I got on stage again. Uh, that was my second attempt at it in sobriety. I was three years sober. 
I did the Artist Way workshop with some yeah. other sober people. I don't know if anybody's ever talked about that on your podcast. No, not yet, I don't think. It's a creativity workshop <laughs> for, um, for anybody. Uh, and it, it's a way to, it, I feel so uh, uncomfortable saying this, but it's a way to get in touch with your inner child. Yeah. What your inner child always wanted. And my inner child always wanted to be a comedian. So I tried again. I did seven or eight op open mics, and they were so uncomfortable. And this is in the <laughs> rough and tough <coughs> New York City comedy scene. and Which can be very brutal. Oh, it's brutal. And uh, as a form of self-protection, I, I quit again. Yeah. Um, so then about 10 months after that, I was so unhappy in my work, in my TV work, I was really full-on workaholic, making a ton of money, but very unhappy. And I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm taking off. I'm going to take an improv class, do something to yeah. just see how to find some structure. And finally it stuck. So it was my third attempt at being a comedian over the years that finally stuck. And it's been six years since that. Yeah. part of my life so the hard part i feel like is over i still feel like a baby in yeah. the comedy scene i'm still <laughs> figuring it out i'm not you know i've had some great shows this week but yeah. i'm gonna have some horrible ones next week you know so well, that's that's comedy in itself like, yeah i was telling someone you know you can get up and do a whole set and just completely crush it and do the exact same set to the t the next night yeah and just almost get like no response. And yeah. you're like, what the? Yeah. Uh, but that's comedy. That's why yeah. I think why they, don't they call it the hottest um, form of entertainment? Yeah, I think that's a, a comic who said that. Who oh, yeah. Thinks maybe we're a little Probably more. Probably justifying why he <laughs> yeah. did so horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that's good. And it's, um, it's great. And you actually have taken your lifelong dream and uh, with um, the uh, punchline drunk and. Um, and use, utilizing that creativity to kind of help in recovery. And yeah. Talk about mental health and dysfunctional families. And yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So kind of <coughs> what happened was I was when I when I was writing material, when I was thinking about my life, when I was thinking about things to talk about on stage, I just it, it honestly I, it was it kept being like talking about old drinking stories because yeah. a lot of funny stuff did happen, and I would tell these stories and make jokes about it and then I after a while I realized I, I have like a half an hour of material on just being a drunk yeah and now I maybe I should write about what it's like to be sober and then I'm writing jokes about that and I'm like wow I have like a half an hour of jokes about being a sober yeah. person um, I should put this into a show of some kind and I did a bunch of recovery conventions a lot of there's young people uh, programs and 12-step uh, groups and I did their conventions and then I realized, well, that's entertaining for them, but how can I talk about this for just any audience? Right. And it got me thinking about that moment in college when I knew it was a problem. I, uh, I was brought into the mental health office, and the woman gave me a pamphlet, the questionnaire to fill out. Yeah. And uh, she said, you know, I can't tell you you're an alcoholic, but from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you're an alcohol abuser. And I remember her saying that, and I remember her thinking that for nine years of drinking, always thinking, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm just an abuser, if I could learn how to not abuse it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I always remembered what she said to me when I was 19, freshman or sophomore in college, whatever I was. Uh, and it just made me think, well, if I put together a show for college students and I just tell my story, maybe they'll hear that one nugget in there yeah. that, because not every college kid's a drunk or an addict, right. uh, but they're the the stats say it's about one out of every 10 people mm -hmm. uh if if a few people at a show hear that and they think maybe i am a little too out of control perhaps one joke will stay stay in their mind yeah. even if they keep drinking maybe three four years later they'll remember something i said in that little seed exactly yeah. and it's not because i want to change the world or anything like i don't think drinking's bad i don't think i think some people <coughs> even do some drugs to a uh, in a healthy way. Yeah. Uh, I guess I just want people to know that there's another option available. Because I remember thinking, I can't not drink. This is who I am. This yeah. is my identity. I'm. This is everybody knows me as the party guy at work. How can I stop? But uh, I probably, I think if I knew that there was a, a, an equally fun alternate option, yeah. I would have quit sooner. I was just thinking about that. Isn't it like so much better? 
Yeah. So, but like doing stand-up comedy yeah. and connecting in with people and um, and just, I, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like, no. I, like I don't, I, I don't, um, I don't need to pick up a drink. I don't yeah. need to do any of that. I couldn't anyways because I'm, I'm like, like one beer. I already know one beer. It doesn't matter that it's coming up on 32 years. I, I know if I pick up that one beer, I'm done. Yeah. But I just enjoy it so much, so sober and. Yeah. I just think of the amount of work it takes to maintain yeah. it um, because I, like if I was drinking this week, I did show, I was in New London, Connecticut, Portland, Maine, Manchester, New Hampshire, back in Portland last night and now tonight in Boston. The amount of work I would have to do on Sunday and Monday, just sending apology emails to yeah. people. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, I, I'm sorry I got angry at your crowd. I'm sorry I, uh, I yeah. you know, I crapped on your, you know, room. Like, I, I verbally crapped on your comedy club or whatever. Um, I, we don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's pretty nice. And it's great that you're jumping back into the recovery community and letting people know that you can still enjoy life and have fun yeah. and get up and, and, and be sober. And um, plus, you know, the comedy scene, it's, there's actually a lot of um, clean and sober comedians yeah. now. Um, um, obviously, our two biggest local comedians, Lenny Clark, Steve Sweeney, mm -hmm. both mm -hmm. clean and sober. Um, and I know there's other comedians too, uh, which I, did, I just think is fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, so tonight, Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah. You're at um, Nick's? Nick's Comedy Stop. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you're just, with Destin? Yeah, I'm just doing a guest spot for the club. I uh, always wanted to work there, so I'll probably probably just do a quick little short set. And uh, Tom Dustin's headlining. Yep. He's, he's hysterical. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen Tom. Tom's great. Yeah. Uh, i got to get Tom down around this way. Yeah. Um, and um, <clears throat> what are we looking at for time-wise? Oh, yeah, we're running up on a good amount of time, so we're good. Um, <clears throat> so when I was kind of looking up um, your information, yeah. just a little uh, FYI for you, Holbert. I was looking mm -hmm. up Holbert. Because um, I, I, for whatever reason, is I was thinking, isn't there like a comic strip? Is oh, there? I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, I was looking and I came across the Holbert name. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought it was kind of cool. I it's, think there's a political cartoonist that has that name that I saw recently, but I don't know who they yeah. are. Well, your name, Holbert, stands for Friendly, Gracious, Loyal, Bright, and Famous. Wow. Yeah. Did That's you not a, know that? I did not know that. Yeah. So uh, famous. You, you might be. What's the origin of this? Um, I want to say it was, uh, it's uh, English. Is but, it, right? but is this like on Ask Jeeves or uh, something? Yeah, it was, or an, an, it was um, Ancestry.com, uh, okay. I think, when wow. I was looking. Well, so. I'm glad you didn't type me in in Ancestry.com and find out that I'm related to a serial killer or something. Well, I didn't go too deep because I, <laughs> I wanted to keep this nice and, yeah. and fresh. And so uh, talk about your uh, podcast, too, that you have with your wife. It's called Who Cares with Ross and Patrick. Uh, yeah, Who Cares About Ross? Or oh, yeah, about. Who Cares About Ross and Patrick? Um, yeah, we started the podcast because I was doing a comedy podcast yeah. with a, a, a buddy, a good buddy of mine in New York. And... As you know, there's about a million comedy podcasts, yeah. and uh, we were having such a good time doing it that my wife and I, um, we thought we should do one, and her, she's actually the funny one in yeah. our marriage, and I, as a former TV producer, I made her host a fashion TV show that we filmed on, uh, it's on YouTube, that one's called Nailing It, and uh, we had a great time doing that, but she doesn't have the sickness we have yeah. where we want to be in front of people like that. Yeah. Um, so I was always, we did a few episodes, it was too stressful on her, and then we decided maybe a podcast is an easier, more low-impact way to connect and be funny. Um, and it's been great. It's led to us kind of really... It forces us, we're so busy, we have opposite schedules, yeah. it forces us to sit down once a week and spend time together. Which is huge. Catch up, yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually this last episode was the first one where we were, we were obviously sick of each other, <laughs> annoyed with each other, and uh, it was uncomfortable. And, um, but we have realized that when we're really real about our relationship, other couples connect with us. Yeah. And, um, people uh, seem to respond well to it. So, Do you end yeah. the podcast on a good note? Yeah, I think we do. And you have that, to. Yes, and that one especially, we, we did eventually get back to just kind of yeah. being happy. So. Yeah, maybe uh, before the, you kick the podcast off, you got to like, we always have to end the podcast. But I was just saying, it just yeah. made me think like, 
very, very important in relationships, uh, what they've said is a date night. Yes. And so you guys are so, so busy, can't really squeeze in the date night, but your yeah. podcast yeah. is kind of your date night yeah. uh, in a way. Thank God I'm getting one tomorrow <laughs> night. She's, uh, she's meeting, I'm going to my hometown for a tractor pull on Sunday. <laughs> That's where my dad will be hanging out. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go there Saturday, and she's going to come up and meet up. And we, we got a room at a, at a hotel, and uh, that'll be nice to yeah. have a, just some time alone after me driving all over New England. Yeah. Um, um, and, and definitely listen to the podcast just to hear um, Ross's, uh, her, she, she, she snorts. She's got the time. She's got a cackle, too. <laughs> yeah. she, she, I am so lucky to be a comic whose wife thinks I'm funny. Yeah. And when she comes to a show, if it's, if it's a dead room, she'll, her laugh is just the best sound in the world. Well, I'm not trying to, um, you know, be negative, but my wife used to think I was super funny when we first met. <laughs> no, and she's over it. She doesn't I, I can't laugh think of, anymore. I can't think of the last <laughs> show she's come to, but, uh, and she's, she's a good editor too. You know, I, uh, there's a couple jokes in my act that are, Kind of hacky, and yeah. every time she hears them, she's like, "You got to stop saying that. It's not that's not you. It doesn't fit your personality. Yeah. It's not funny." They're laughing because they, they're it's a joke, but yeah. you're better than that. So she's a good <laughs> she's she's a good judge, and she she's always telling you uh, new things to to talk about. My wife always says I should be doing pet jokes because uh, we have three dogs in the house, three cats. Wow, that's a full house. And we, like, uh, the, I don't know how the, um, well, you're out of Brooklyn, New York, so what do you guys have, like, a, a condo? Yeah, or, we're just in a one-bedroom. Yeah, I'm uh, in a ranch. Well, that's a style. It's a ranch, and that's the name of the, the style, yeah, ranch. Yeah, um, And it's very tiny, and it's just congested, and, yeah. you know. But um, I, I will have to do um, some more pet jokes on yeah. that. But, um, well, the cats will appreciate it, too. Oh, the cats. I, I do have some great stuff on the cats. i got to sit down. i got to write it out. I have a horrible cat allergy, and I love, I love animals. I love dogs, but I have, the wor I have deadly allergies, so um, I'm and, sorry I can never meet them. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, you're not missing anything. Uh, uh, what about your wife? Does she like pets? She's dying for a dog. Okay. Uh, we go, we're the creeps at the dog park in our neighborhood. We go and look at the dogs and admire the dogs, but uh, we don't own a dog. So yeah. people are kind of like, do we need to call somebody? <laughs> uh, so yeah, and I would love to have a dog, but this week is kind of a good example of yeah. why it would be very difficult. There's so much work, so much. Um, they yeah. really are part of the family and yeah. you have to really uh, be invested if you have a dog. So yeah. and, and being a comedian is tough, especially if you travel a lot. And yeah. you do travel a lot. Yeah. See, I don't I, I'm not going anywhere. I love it. I stay local. Yeah. Um, I produce my shows. Um, I, you know, from time to time I get to get up and perform, which I absolutely love. I just yeah. have to show up and perform. Yeah. Um, and so we're definitely going to have to have you come up. Yeah, please. Because uh, I do a lot of work in the recovery community. And so I'm actually going to do a show. I'm going to promote it at the end. Cool. It's for uh, an organization called Recovered Souls. Oh, yeah. So uh, I do a lot with uh, in the recovery community. So, yeah, it'd be fantastic. Yeah. And I was looking at your stuff on YouTube. Very great. Uh, funny. Great. Um, so definitely have to bring you back up and get you on one of the shows. I would love that. Um, the only issue that I had when I was when I was looking you up, uh -huh. Patrick was, and I don't know if the pictures have been up here. Um, <laughs> that's your wife, correct? Yep, that's yep. Ross on the left. This was actually when we were on True TV together <laughs> for Hack My Life. And uh, you were on um, the Travel Channel. What was the Mysteries of the Museum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, that's kind of just doing some bat, like acting as a investigator. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, there's a, a picture, and I thought I put it in here. Um, now uh, I am also a Marine, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you're racing for your, your service, brother, by the way. And um, it appeared to me that you beat him. Oh, handily, yes. And I, and so yeah. a civilian yeah. <laughs> beat. Uh, a marine, and as I was, I uh, was looking at Paul, right? Yeah. And I was looking at Paul's page, and not only was Paul a marine, but he was in the fast. Uh, fast company, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. and you, you had a pretty good distance yeah. in front of yeah. him, and uh, yeah, and I th thought that was funny. And so you tell Paul that he needs to represent. I will. I will certainly let him know. Yeah. I will defend him a little bit and say that he. <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm more slightly built than yeah. him. 
He was always the athlete. He went to the state championships for throwing the shot put in track and yeah, field. Yeah, he, he looked like a yeah, good, solid a defensive, devil dog. Devil, uh, yeah, defensive lineman. Um, just the, oh, he lived in the weight room uh, yeah. high school, college. Uh, amazing athlete. Uh, but, yeah, I'm faster. But you, you're, 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 you look like a runner. Yeah. yeah, well, and because when we were kids... I he had the physical brawn. He's three years. Yeah. He's three years older. So uh, he had the physical brawn. I would have to defend myself with <coughs> words. So that's where my sharp tongue came yeah. from. But then I would have to run like hell to get away from him. So, <laughs> so it makes sense. Funny. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know what? Let's wrap this up. Do you have anything, um, Patrick, like to share with the audience um, as far as hope? People that are, uh, we love to kind of throw something out at the end to people. Um, who might be struggling with addiction, uh, family members, yeah. um, just to, you know, we always try to want people to just, just keep, don't stop giving up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think my main message would be don't procrastinate on it. Cause I, that's what I did. Even when I finally did quit and my therapist was saying these meetings are an option, you should check it out. I, I procrastinated for six months. Uh -huh. um, so if you have an inkling that you should stop, like just try it and see how it feels for a few days. Uh, go to a meeting, try everything, collect different data because there's so many different things to explore. Like one thing I've gotten involved in lately is on Reddit. Do you know the website Reddit? Yeah, Reddit, yeah. There's a, uh, a, a group called Stop Drinking and people get amazing support on there and they do it all online. Some of them have never met, but they have these deep connections. Yeah. Um, so I would just say, just try it. You, you don't have to make a lifetime decision today. Um, and that goes for people in recovery, too, because I started comedy in recovery, and I was so unhappy with my career that if you think there's something else out there for you, you can start that today. You can try it. You can investigate it. But it's it's never too late. I, I thought I was too old also. I'm, I'm 38 now. Uh, and I realize that's not that old, but for comedy, you hear people talk about you need decades to get good and you need to whatever. Um, all that is just such BS. You just, we only have today, just give it a shot um, and find people, find other people that are doing it, uh, even if it's one other person. Um, but I, I get filled up by working with a lot of different people. So. I don't know. That's a little bit scattered, but <coughs> no, no, that's good. Point. And you know what? And that's and that's what we always we do. We always try to let people know, like, to, uh, just don't give up. Just just keep going. It it is hard. Yeah. Um, it took me a few tries, um, but keep at it. And there's so many resources out there, um, so many things lo available locally, but more importantly, like you just said, um, so many resources available through social media. Yeah. And you know, yeah. you always hear, oh, social media is so bad, but social media can be very good too yeah. at the same time. I heard a great analogy the other day. I forget who said it. it was on some podcast, but social media is like fire. You can use fire for good to heat yeah. your home, to cook a meal, or you can burn the whole town down. <coughs> and same with social media. There's you can use it for good. But well, let's uh, let's be... use it to cook something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, let's not burn down the town. Yeah. So, guys, this is uh, rock bottom to recovery. As you know, Bill Farrell. I am uh, part of the Holbrook Cares Coalition. We meet the first Tuesday of every month at the town hall in Holbrook. It's another place to get resources. Uh, we have a couple events um, coming up. Um, we have uh, um, uh, the 2019 Senior Capstone presentation, Beyond the Stigma. Um, it's a youth prevention and effort to erase the stigma, just like uh, Pat's doing with his comedy, um, and open communication and have a discussion um, getting past the stigma of addiction. Uh, that's May 1st, uh, 6 to 8, at the Holbrook Middle High School. It's where we are right now. Um, so come on up. It's a free admission. It's uh, no first time. Um, Kevin Rosario, Amber Her Hersey, Smith, both uh, podcast guests um, will be here. Um, so check that out. Um, I got to throw a little plug. You can go see um, Pat tonight at Nick's Comedy Stop in Boston, 8 o'clock, right? It's 8 o'clock? Yes, yeah, 8 o'clock yep. show, yeah. And, um, you know, go in and see Pat. Say hello. Let him know you watched the, um, um, the show today or whatever. Um, check out his podcast, which is found on Apple. Yeah, it's on anywhere you can get a podcast. Um, that is um, Who Cares About Ross and Patrick. So check that out. It's uh, pretty funny. And you guys, have, uh, you had 40 episodes? Yeah, we did, that was our 40th one the yeah. other day. Yep. Yeah, and I got you by two. 
So I'm nice. uh, going to try and stay ahead of you. Cool. Um, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, um, I have a dinner comedy show in Braintree for an organization that's involved in recovery. It's called Recovered Souls. Um, the, uh, the post is up right now on the page. And um, it's going to, uh, doors open up at 6.30, dinner's at 7.30. We're kicking off the show at 8 p.m. Uh, Will Noonan, uh, Noonan um, mm -hmm. he's got great hair just like you, yeah, Pat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boston Comedian is on. Uh, Andrea Henry's awesome. Jack Shattuck, who is a quadriplegic. Oh, my gosh. Can't wow. move at all. Extremely funny. He's going to be wow. coming to perform. And then our headline is Bobby Niles, who is also in recovery. Um, there's going to be a 50-50 raffle. The dinner's being uh, catered by Fasano's. It's excellent. Tickets are 50 bucks. Uh, message me if you want to come out and see it. There's nothing better than laughter, is there? No, there's it's not. It's one of the best medicines you can get. And one thing I always tell people about recovery comics is they're some of the most twisted people on stage. <laughs> yeah. So. And if you can laugh um, at that, that's a good thing. So, yeah. guys, thanks for tuning in for this special edition. Um, check us out. Um, check out the Hobart Cares Facebook page. If you have any questions, message us. It's just another opportunity to get connected into resources in recovery. Um, check out Patrick Holbert, uh, Holbert's page, um, Facebook page. If you're young and you don't do Facebook, which we know the young kids <laughs> don't do, check out the uh, Holbert Report at on Instagram. Yep. And um, let's see. Oh, and go to Rock Bottom to Recovery Facebook page. Check us out on the iTunes and Podbeans. Pat, thank you for coming, sir. Thank you sir. so much, Bill. Have a great day. Get safe. Um, have a great show tonight and uh, get home safely to New York. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody.